Welcome to Lovin' and Leavin', the podcast where a divorce attorney and a family therapist talk about the issues that affect relationships, marriage, love, and divorce. I am one of your hosts, Mark Schoendorf. I am a practicing divorce attorney in the Chicagoland area. And I'm your co-host, Denise Ombre. I'm a therapist and I help individuals and couples in the northern suburbs of Chicago navigate relationship issues. And we are here to talk about the different things we see in our professional lives when it comes to relationships. Like jealousy. And infidelity. Personalities. And abuse. And everything else that causes people to leave the one they love. And whether or not those things can be fixed. So welcome to Lovin' and Leavin'. So Denise. Yes. Today we've got... Too much money. It's a much... Too much money. What happens when there's too much money? What happens when there's too much money? This topic is a lot more fun to deal with than some of the more heavy topics we've dealt with. Yes. So, um, yeah. So we're talking about, we did an episode on not enough money, which is a sort of pressure that a lot of married couples, you know, can relate to. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk about having too much money. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of people cannot relate to. Yes. But it does exist. It does happen. It's crazy how many rich people are in this world. Yeah. And... And how there's enough that there are paradigms that happen. Yes. That there are patterns that occur consistently. Yeah. And that we see these things in our offices. Yeah. So I think um, let's talk about what it like levels of wealth. And I think that a lot of people who are not as financially, I'm going to say, I hate to say literally, financially as experienced or you know, for the average person, like this is like why lottery winners go broke, right? Yeah. The average person to hear a million dollars, they hear $10 million and they're like, that is as much money as I'm ever going to need. You're, that is, if someone has that, they are so rich. Right. But that's not the case. No. And uh, there are different sort of levels of wealth. And I, I actually came across something interesting on the internet. Um, it was somebody who uh, uh, wrote a little piece about you know, their experience around people with different levels of money. And they sort of broke it down to what kind of money we're talking about. And they said that there are, you know, people with, uh, you know, uh, up to, I think it was um, between 10 and $30 million in net worth, which sounds like a terribly amazing amount of money. Sounds like a lot to me. It does sound like a lot. That is, and that is the, the kind of money um, that uh, you are financially secure. Mm-hmm. You can live a nice lifestyle, but you're still watching the money that you have because you, you can make financial decisions that will blow that out of the water relatively quickly. Um, you know, you can buy a $10 million house and pay for it in cash and all of a sudden property taxes and upkeep and all that starts, you know, eating all that up and, and, and you're burning through your cash and, and then all of a sudden you find out you don't have it and you end up in a, in a, in a, in a tough spot. So there's that level of wealth. These people, they live a nice life. Um, maybe they take a nice vacation once or twice a year, but they, you know, you can't go first class four times a year, uh, to, you know, and spend $100,000, $200,000 without really eating into your money. Right. So these people feel like they have some sort of limit. And then there's the $30 million to the $100 million. Mm-hmm. And these people, that's where you really feel like you got the, the FU money. You can pretty much do what you want. Yeah. Um, you probably have a layer of um, protection in terms of, you know, staff or people, uh, advisors that are, you know, people have to go through. You can probably have access to some lower level celebrity slash politician type people and access to some some pretty nice stuff uh and then you get to the you know the 100 million to billion and it's crazy to even think about that yeah rarefied um, air but these are people these are the private jet people um and maybe you know they rent the private jet instead of own it <laughs> but <laughs> still and they have access to whoever and then once you get to the the billionaire plus that is the 
uber rarefied air where you have all access to everything in this in this world <laughs> and anyone in this world really if you wanted to sit down with anyone and you're worth a couple billion dollars you probably can uh and so uh and it's very very difficult for most people to even relate to what a life like that would look like um but the converse that this person wrote about all these different levels of income is the higher the income goes or the higher the the net worth goes the less meaningful the relationships tend to be or the harder it is to find a meaningful relationship yeah that I, i'm not surprised yeah. at they talk about for men right the women were increasing in quality in terms of you know physical beauty in terms of intellectual prowess but there was always a question of motivation motive in, in the relationship is it true love can you ever find true love uh, in that type of, of of situation and and so you know you sort of have to like well cry into your pillow of money about the fact that you don't have a <laughs> wife that really you know for a fact loves you uh so that's sort of the different levels of income and levels of, of wealth that, that we can be talking about um and how how is uh uh i mean how does how does having that much that kind of money affect the relationship well i think that having any kind of money affects the relationship. I mean, there are different different paradigms, right? So, you know, there's the the wife that's content to be given what she's given and is content to go along and just get what she gets and and doesn't raise a fuss. And then there's the wife that isn't content with that and wants to have some control over the money and wants to be a contributor and doesn't like to feel controlled, you know, you have different, different kinds of personalities. You know, there's all these different paradigms you have in that. And I think that once you have so much money, like the uber rich, you, are, you see more of the people who are content to kind of go along and just take what they're given. Because what they're given is, is, is huge. It's huge. And they probably are there because they're content to take what they're given and and manage that. I mean, at some point, what more could you ask for? Right. right? I mean, at some point, you're like, right. well, I can, I can fly to Paris on our jet whenever I want. Whenever and, I want. And buy so whatever I what want. What am I complaining yeah, about? Yeah, right. There's nothing to complain about. Right. And so, um, and that's sort of the standard situation where wife marries husband with lots of money, but there are situations where husband will marry wife with lots of money. Right. Right. I mean, it's different when the wife has lots of money. Because I think that we're kind of conditioned to see it the other way around where the husband has lots of money and the wife doesn't. And so when the wife has lots of money and the husband doesn't, it can be more emasculating for the husband. And um, the wife can then feel taken advantage of and want to control the money or maybe worries about emasculating her husband and that can cause problems. Um, but it causes a lot of tension in the marriage when the husband feels emasculated by not making as much as his wife. Because he feels like he's supposed to be making the money. And he feels not. like he's supposed to be making the money. Right. And um, because we have this idea in our head that the men should make the money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, we know that there are women who make the money. But then in order to be a woman to make money in this world, you've got to sort of be manlike, right? You got to be more aggressive and you got to be, you know, well, that's the stereotype, right? Yes, correct. So, and, and men are less manly if they don't make more money than their wives. That's the stereotype. And so then, and I've seen situations where, you know, wife has lots of money and, uh, they'll give their husband like some seed money or, you know, here's, here's 200 grand, start a little business, see right. what you can do. Which is a very emasculating sort of attitude to have. Or giving them an allowance, 
you know, which happens the other way around all the time. They complain, they don't complain, but, it, it, you know, it's accepted. We say, it's oh, that, more accepted. that makes sense. Right. He's got lots of money. She should have an allowance, but he gets an allowance all of a sudden. It's a problem. It's a problem. Is there a difference between people who make their own money versus people who've inherited the money? Well, I think there's lots of different um, situations. In When you inherit money, I think you look at money a little bit differently. Uh, when you make your own money, I think you have a different uh, relationship to money. I think you value it a little bit differently. Um, I think there's sometimes a different work ethic that you have and you're a little bit more careful. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. So I, I worked on a divorce once uh, where the husband was um, some sort of trader, commodities trader uh, uh, or options, something like that. And he made a lot of money. I think in his best year, he made, you know, 20 million plus, you know, in one year. And, and if you know about the, the options industry, it's sort of, I say collapsed, but uh, computers have taken over, so the traders aren't really as involved. And so uh, uh, now he's only making, you know, deep six figures a year. Only. Only. And the wife is going through it like water. Yeah, spending spending a lot of money yeah, is a problem. Yeah, she can't, well, that's right. She can't dial it back and fire the private chef, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, or spa days or whatever the, whatever it is. And, and it, was, it was sort of interesting to see where you're like, don't, you know, for most people, you know, you're, oh, you're, here's here's a, you know, a, a deep six-figure income, would almost seven enough. figures. It would be enough, you'd think. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, and so, uh, and then what, you know, what happens when people, when people marrying into money? Um, you know, sometimes, there, you know, there, there's family money. And right. so sometimes, you know, what, I, what I've seen or what I've told people is that, you know, uh, uh, you know, if you're marrying into money, that's going to be the hardest dollar you earn. Right, because it can come with a lot of strings. All kinds of strings. Yeah, the family can be very controlling sometimes. I've seen that happen where the family expects a lot for the money that they give you. Um, you know, every Monday night dinner, uh, you will go to this person for this. You will get a facial with this person every month. You will. Oh, so you've seen like getting a facial, like, okay, you have to keep up your appearances. You have to keep up your appearances. Wow. You will You will do this. This is kind of mandated. You will go here for your meat. You will go here for your, wow. I mean, and seriously is that mandated by the husband or the family? No, by the family. Wow. By the matriarch of the family. Yeah. The, ma the matriarch. So so, so the, mo the mother-in-law. The mother-in-law, the mother, the, the queen Stepford wife. Yeah. Is mandating. Mandates <sighs> what, the, what the new wife in the family will do. Oh, man, I've never seen that. Oh, I've seen that. Wow. That is that is wild to think about. I think what I've seen is, you know, like husband marrying into the wife's family uh, who's got money. And it's like, well, of course you're going to live near us because we're going to buy you the house. Absolutely. Near us. And of course you're going to drive this nice car because it's for our grandchildren. And so Absolutely. The, the subtext is if, you know, if my grandchildren are no longer your children or you're not in the house, then good luck driving, you know, the Escalade. <laughs> you know, that's not <laughs> happening for you anymore. And, uh, uh, or of course, you know, you know, you got to come with us on vacation because we're, we're paying the way or, or, that's right. or Thanksgiving's at our house. That's right. And that, that can be, you know, like I said, Comes with a lot of strings, lots of strings, lots of strings. So here's another aspect of it, which, um, is the prenup, right? The mm -hmm. premarital agreement. Right. And I've seen that a lot when there is family money. Yes. And that's usually insisted by the family. Yes. It's almost mandated by the almost family. Mandated. And, and to a certain extent, with careful planning, you don't necessarily need a prenup, but they are, they're always concerned that, you know, this new person is going to come into the family 
and they're going to, you know, rob the family of their wealth. Right. And so I've seen some very, very serious and very crafty estate planning to avoid that, just that. And the prenup is, is part and parcel of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the you know, I, I do see that. I see the premarital agreements where um, some of them can be really strict and harsh. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're only getting anything if you're part of this family. But if you're not, you are you're on out. your own. Yeah. Uh, and that, so how does that affect a relationship? Well, I've seen marriages not happen because the the woman didn't want to sign a prenup that was really harsh and stringent. Um, I've seen people sign prenups and then really regret it. Uh, I've seen other prenups where they've been able to work through and kind of compromise. You know, I'd be interested to hear what you think a good prenup looks like. Huh. Well, so it's funny. I've seen, because uh, I've seen similar situations. I don't think I've seen one where a marriage didn't go through because of the prenup. But I have seen people, obviously, it's easy to, to regret a prenup after the fact when you're getting divorced and you're like, I'm not getting any spousal support. Are you kidding me? And you, that's what you signed off on. Um, I have seen, I did one where both of them had some sort of money and we were trying to come up with a crafty way for to, to get around some crafty solutions um, in case he had money, in case she had money, you know, uh, um, different formulas. But then um, they ended up not, it became too complicated. And they're like, oh, we're just not gonna, we're just not gonna have a prenup because this is getting out of hand, and we'll just deal with it how we want to deal with it. And then I've seen people who I had one client. I get a lot of referrals um, from you know attorneys who draft prenups, and they they want to you know my name is given to the the intended spouse uh, for re, you know for representation and review, and they're always freaked out because they're like, I what am I supposed to? Is this a negotiation? Do, do we go back with like what we want? And I'm like, yeah, you can. And I had one that uh, she was so freaked out, she just signed the prenup. Um, we had met, but she, she, you know, after before I gave her my notes of what I thought was wrong with it, she's just like, I just signed it. And, uh, you know, and then I had to write a long letter like, this is what you signed. <laughs> you didn't give me a chance to talk about it. Um, and so that was unfortunate. But, you know, I think that a good prenup, you know, it's, obviously you want to meet goals. And I've seen people be over generous in a prenup, that they give stuff that they didn't, it's not on the table normally. And it's like, you know, you don't need to put the, her name on everything. But, right. but you did. And so just to know that. And uh, so, you know, but a good prenup, I think it's important to, you know, if, if someone's coming into a marriage and they feel like it's this is just another form of control. Yeah. Because marriage is, a, it's supposed to be a partnership. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that, you know, you're in it together and you're trying to get to a place um where you can rely on each other and there's supposed to be some sort of safety uh, in the fact that you're together. And there's got to be some sort of, you know, it shouldn't be easy to get out of a marriage uh, and and leave the person out in the cold. And so the system is set up that if you're going to, you know, devote your life to help this person live their life and you're going to devote your life to help this person raise a family, you know, there's sacrifices involved and that's why we have the laws that we have. And so when you undo that with a prenup, uh, you know, you're, you're really person's if, if they're they feel like they're going to be hung out to dry they're going to feel like they're controlled right right and because they know in the relationship they, they can't assert themselves or they can't leave because the threat is you're going to be left with nothing so i think a, a good idea i would think in a relationship if there is money is to understand look the person's marrying in and you've got money and they're going to enjoy a certain lifestyle and they should you know sort of get a piece of that 
you know, understand that, look, you leave, you'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be, you know, maybe it's not private jets to Paris, but it's, you know, okay, you'll, you'll, you'll have a place to live and, and, and food to eat and you'll be okay. And I think that, you know, I've seen situations where they say, okay, we're going to get married and then we're going to take whatever, a million dollars and put it in the joint account. And that you're going to get a piece of, and we're going to accumulate to that. And the money that I earn is going to go in there, or part of it's going to go in there, or a certain amount, and that is going to accumulate and grow. And so you know things don't happen, or you, you put provisions in that sunset, that or you know, you're married for five years, then you're going to get X more dollars, or you're married for 10 years. So you know you don't marry me, and then you leave tomorrow, and, and you walk away right. with my, a bunch of money. That makes sense. And so that gives people a little bit of an incentive to, or if you sense that, you know, that there's a faith, that there's good faith that, that this is going to work out, that someone else is also hanging themselves out um, financially a little bit. Um, and I think that's, that's you know, that's helpful. So that's how prenups sort of can fit in and, and maybe um, can help people out with the, the, the too much money problem, I guess. Yeah. Um, what other, what else is out there? What else have you seen? Well, I think that one solution that I've heard of um, that's demonstrated some success, which I think is kind of a funny solution, is that the higher earning spouse delegates the spending decisions to the lower earning spouse. Now, I think that's a pretty <laughs> hard thing to do. So the, 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 I mean, okay, so the person who uh, has a lot of money says, all right, well, I'm not going to make any financial decisions without... Without the lower earning spouse being a... I could see that making sense where someone's got a high income, someone makes a couple yeah. hundred grand a year. Exactly. Fine. But I kind of feel like if someone's got a lot, like Uber money. Well, Uber money, I think, changes the rules a little bit. I think that would make it much harder because already you'd be giving up control, a lot of control. I mean, I, I, it's really hard for me to see, like, if, if, you know, if a new Porsche was pocket change. Right. I probably would be like, right. uh, why do I have to run this by my wife? I just want the Porsche. <laughs> Well, right, but then think of the wife. Can yeah. she go out and buy a Porsche with her pocket change? I mean, okay, well, okay. Then it's an issue That's of equality, control, right? right? That's <laughs> equality. That's and so, th so then, but you have a situation where, okay, so then, then the lower earning spouse is empowered. Is least. empowered, right? They feel like and, they've got ownership, and they of, feel like they have some ownership. And there's a we involved. You're building the we. Yeah. So I think that's a, a creative solution, because communication is obviously key in solving these financial issues. And the financial issues are huge in a marriage. You know, they're one of the leading causes of divorce. So, you know, these are important, important conversations but to have. But he gets beyond that because you, you would think, well, you know, financial issues are normally the cause for divorce because there's not enough of it and now we're fighting over, you know, we can't pay for stuff. But having too much of it is is a big stressor as well. And, and making sure that, you know, you still feel like you're important because... Because a lower earning spouse could feel like they're unimportant. Feel unimportant. Especially right. if you're in a situation where the person with a lot of money, I mean, these things are just objects, right? Yeah. I mean, everything's being objectified. I, 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 used, I joked with some friends about if you were uber wealthy, basically it's kind of funny on a fundamental level that, you know, some bank account somewhere has extra zeros and therefore you're allowed to walk around with your little piece of plastic you show it to people, and then they just give you stuff. Right. Like, whatever you want. Right, whatever you want. Right. So whenever you, you want. Right, you're like, I like this this uh, this Bentley. Look at this card. Now you give me the Bentley. Now you give me the Bentley. The economic uh, um, brain power behind effectuating that in, in the real world is kind of mind-boggling. If yeah. you think about it too much, it'll fall apart. Yeah. And so if, you're, if you just don't value what you're, what you're getting, then, you know, are you going to be able to value your spouse? Right. Right. Can you value the relationship?
Is it a problem? I guess I would love to have. <laughs> Wouldn't we all love I think to have would, that problem? I think we all. I mean, you know, I, f- I feel like everybody seems to think that if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't have that I problem. I wouldn't have that problem. But I think that's not true. I think these problems in relationships are there no matter what. And, and, and money just brings it out? Money just brings it out everybody, in a different way. Everybody's got money problems or just different kinds of problems? Yeah, there's just different kind of problems. Yeah, so there's a problem of having too much money. Yes, and there is, is. And this is one of them. Relationships can be one of them. Relationships are one of them. And divorces. I can tell you. If there is a divorce yeah. where there's too much money, I mean, it's... It's, I'll say that and it's interesting about how um, having too much money affects divorce. Um, so one of the problems that I see is that if people are, you know, garden variety, standard, you know, 99% people getting divorced, money, financing divorce is a problem, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to come to practical solutions. Um, sometimes you're negotiating and because you don't have the wherewithal or the resources to fight the fight that needs to be fought, you know, and, and so you can't get into the weeds about, um, some legal issue because it's going to cost more money than it's worth right. and it's going to be financially ruinous. But there does come a point where the money isn't going to impact you as much, right. where, you know, uh, two or $300,000 in attorney's fees, which is eye-watering to most people, um, doesn't become uh, that big of a deciding issue. You know, I remember I was at a big firm and I walked into a meeting where two partners were talking and literally... The middle of the sentence was, so the prenup says that this guy gets $75 million and she gets 105. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now you're talking about $30 million swing. So who cares if each side spends a million dollars on attorneys? If, if what's at stake is $30 million, it's totally worth it to spend that money. And so that's just, you know, and that's, I've seen, you know, I, had, I saw one case where it was, they had, were not divorced yet and it was going on 10 years. Of ju- it went to the court of appeals a couple times. It was just because there, there's it's no holds barred, right? Wow. There's no limit to it, and uh, and that definitely affects things. And it, yeah. That, you know, and then you're dealing with a different kind of of divorce. Or kind yeah, of where that's a whole different you know, kind you're, of you're, divorce. You're, 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 you have to justify why you're spending, you know, hundred thousand dollars on spa treatments, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. I mean, it's that's just the lifestyle. So um, yeah, that's that's a. So yeah. it really affects divorce when you get up into the Uber. Money. Yeah, I mean, it, it just becomes, I think it becomes just another, you know, honestly, uh, these people are used to legal fights. Yeah. And so they're just like, this is just another legal fight. And then it's control. It's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make you do this. And at the end of the day, at that level of wealth, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know, it's yeah. just now it's just a point of aggravation and, 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 and winning. Yeah, and winning. Again, problems I wish to have. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lovin' and Leavin'. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please find and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. And of course, if you yourself are having personal or relationship issues that you would like to work on or need help with, and you live in or near Chicago, you can find me on the internet at deniseombre.com. That's A-M-B-R-E. Or call at 847-729-3034. Again, on the web at deniseombre.com or 847-729-3034. If you are unfortunately at a point where your relationship or marriage is not working and you need legal guidance, I am available. I focus on all aspects of family and divorce law, including child custody, support, dividing property, businesses, handling parenting time and visitation, and everything that goes along with it. You can visit me on the web at illinoisdivorcelaw.net 
Again, IllinoisDivorceLaw.net or call 312-878-1202 to set up a consultation. Again, 312-878-1202 and I'd be happy to help. Please mention the podcast when you call. And if there's a topic you think we should cover, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks again and join us next time on Lovin' and Leaving.